Welcome to Runelanders. I'm Matt Adam, and as the guy who comes up with most of this shit, it's my job to let you know that Runelanders contains coarse language, mature themes, and other things that may trigger sensitive listeners. These are immersive stories, and so we use a robust set of safety tools when recording them. This is yours. Use your judgment. Now, if that sort of thing is your sort of thing, then dig, if you will, the adventures of a sophomore syndicate, newly returned from the dream to the perilous parlors, salons, and saloons of the city of steel and steam. Welcome back to Bailey Mina. We're the Runelanders. This is Rapscallions. So, get ready, runatics, and let's roll. We open in a sitting room, well-appointed enough, not intimate like the one up front. No, this is in the back rooms of Calder's house, where he lives. And we see him sitting, or rather, draped over what appears to be a fainting couch. Calder, it's the only furniture you can sit on comfortably since you've been back for the last few days, what with your present increased size. The upper hallways are a bit of a squeeze nowadays. You have to kind of turn sideways to get yourself through a standard door, but these are the hazards of growing up. It's much more comfortable downstairs, but you'll be damned if you'll have tea in the basement like some kind of rat. With apologies to Mr. Burley and Took. So as you drape yourself across this settee, do adjust your spectacles across the breadth of your nose. The little mechanic that you have bring these things in from the front door comes ticking in with a, another couple of papers. It sets them on the table as it does, then cuts its customary bow before turning around and walking stiff-legged off down the hall. That piece is an antique, one of the oldest the Mech and I from back in the day when only the very wealthy could afford them and they only did one job. I say, Nigel, would you be so good as to uh, refresh this tea? Nigel emerges from where he was sitting beneath a side table, unfolding himself to his full height of two and a half feet. He walks across the floor, supporting the bottom of this with one hand while holding the handle on the top with the other. You set the cup on the floor and Nigel pours the tea in. This particular artifact you found two or three years ago. It's not old, but the enchantment on the inside keeps the tea at exactly the temperature you like. Excellent, Nigel. Thank you. Do I... Do I have any business coming up? I believe that was Nigel's end of things, sir. We were instructed to let you have your tea in peace this morning. I believe Nigel will be in in a moment to fill you in, sir. Excellent. Thank you, Nigel. Unless you're a dragon or speak draconic, you may not know that the word for home and horde and draconic is the same. Calder sits there, his eyes glaze slightly as they unfocus. 
not quite in dream, but not quite here either. His fingers absently stroking his new heart. And as he does so, he feels a pull. It's comforting and familiar. A, a relieving counterpoint to the hard exterior, to the glass plate, to the metal ring that sits in the middle of his chest now. But he can feel it beat. And as it beats, he can feel that it's his own. In part because now that he's back, it beats with the rhythm of his home. And then I will just take a moment and enjoy this tea. It has not been so long that I've returned to uh, to my home that there's not something both familiar and strange about having a relaxing cup of tea in my lounge in the morning. Motion has ever been your friend, Kaldur. Ever since you left Skiles, you've had to keep moving, and yet here you've been for these years, and now here you are. Kind of stuck for the moment, and that doesn't really feel as terrible as you might think it would. In this form, Calder pretty much always looks like he has a smarmy grin on his face, but it stretches out a little wider as he thinks back to his time in Dream, and he wonders if those who pursue him, those who have many skills and magics at their disposal, I wonder how perplexed they were when I disappeared for so many months. But with a smile fading, they must surely know that I'm back by now. And that's less good. Nigel arrives then. Nigel herself, she just strolls in. Good morning, master. You have quite a busy morning after you finish your tea. There is a whole shipment at the warehouse. I've had Nigel, 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 Nigel moving it into your private rooms all evening. They should have it done presently. Now, Nigel and Nigel tell me that Mr. Faladil Greenleaf of Starkweather and Fair requests the honor of a call. He left the sequence to his mirror when he left his message. As well, there are the children to meet, sir, but that is tertiary. After that, you really should get on to cataloging and valuing the new possessions. Excellent, yes. Well, I turn my head to other Nigel. Nigel, would you please fetch my mirror? I believe I'll take this call in here. Delighted, sir. And Nigel walks off to get your mirror at a briskish pace. So with that, Calder squares up his shoulders, takes a deep breath, and slowly exhales, casting Disguise Self and uh, putting on his elven identity. Still, it hasn't been quite the same since he got back. Many things haven't been quite the same since he got back. But as he finishes the spell, he checks himself and uh, sees that everything is... Well, everything up to his waist is fine. I appear to still have dragon legs. You can sharpen it with the filter you've installed on the mirror, though. That has been your big saving grace these past few days, because yes, Burley, Took, and Nigel have done a great job of managing things in your absence, but there are things that, you know, you eventually would have to get to. And those stacked up, so frankly, you came back to a full desk 
The tea this morning was a well-deserved relax after sorting that out and, you know, modifying equipment until you could figure out how to get this spell right. This, thank goodness, is your median point. The imperfections of sorcery aided by your knack for technology. Uh, so Calder looks down, looks over at Nigel, and uh, Calder says, you know, Nigel, I, I think I might take this call from my desk. The lighting is better in your office here anyway. The one down at the warehouse is obviously the best, but there is no way you'll get there without being caught. Well, a few moments later, I've settled into uh, my chair as best as I can. I'm confident that my uh, scaly appendages are well hidden behind my massive and sturdy desk, and I'm ready for my call. It's funny to see the half-elf sitting with everything just so dressed and appointed with, well, your left foot, you can see it sticking out from under the desk, and your tail is halfway across the room, out around the other side. But you do what you can, right? It's like the wide view of the room is comical. But when the camera switches, it switches to the mirror view with a well-framed picture of Locke Calder looking around as one does while waiting for a mirror call to be answered. A beautiful young elven woman's face hovers into view and she's got nut brown skin and the same color eyes and the same color hair and everything about her just beams summertime, you know? And she smiles at you and across the mirror, like, you can feel it, man. Like, she's, she really does seem happy to see you. And through her perfect teeth, she says, stark weather and fair. How can I direct your call? Why, yes, hello. I do believe uh, Mr. Greenleaf is expecting my call. Very good, sir. And who shall I say is calling? Master Locke Calder. Very good, Mr. Calder. Please hold one moment. And the screen fades out from this dream of a vision of a face and re-resolves itself into a bubbling brook. And like, you know, the water runs down, there's a birds chirping and, you know, the usual idyllic forest scene. And then the voiceover starts. Life is unpredictable. It seems limitless. But unexpected calamity could wait around every corner. And that's when the orcs come hammering in. And like, it's one of these badly acted commercials for the insurance that they sell. And uh, you kind of mute it and look out the window. And at length, the screen resolves. And the polished features of Falladil Greenleaf, attorney at law, resolve. Ah, uh, yes, Mr. Colder, hello. Mr. Greenleaf? A pleasure. I understand uh, you have some business you'd like to discuss. Yes, sir. Unfortunately, um, as I'm sure you're aware, there is some paperwork which must be attended to with, um, well, just about everything these days, isn't it? There are very few things which uh, a lawyer cannot find a need for paper, at least uh, in my experience, no. Too true, sir, too true, and we have nothing if not a surfeit of such people around here. At the same time, I am but a humble servant of herself and um, merely performing my duties, so 
if it wouldn't be in politics right uh, i'd like to get on to the business stand of course please as you are no doubt aware your service and employment with starkweather and fair has been terminated i'm aware that our previous business dealings are not destined to continue as you are also no doubt aware Starkweather and Fair is a cornerstone company of Bailey Mina's business world. I can think of uh, no other legal firm that succeeds your reputation or scope of practice in, uh, in the old city. Indeed, our interests are broad and diverse. We regret the necessity of your termination from your former position but hope that this has not engendered any ill will between you and our firm. We should like to maintain cultural relationships between our firm and yours, if at all possible, you see. Tell me, Mr. Greenleaf, have you made partner yet? No, unfortunately, there have been some restructuring issues lately. We've had a need to delay certain plans. Well, when you do become partner, rest assured that uh, your partners will take certain actions and those actions will lead to certain consequences, which you did not intend. So with that, I, uh, I welcome your offer for continued cordiality and uh, would simply observe that my partners in this matter did not necessarily represent my interests in the recent diversion of our common cause. The opportunity to return to a better alignment of our interests is most welcome. Excellent. I have also, it's also come across my desk retain possession of certain assets belong to your company and would like to return those as a show of good faith. I'm going to roll insight. That's a, that's a hell of a thing for him to say. 22. Is he, uh, is he being straight? He seems to be, but who can tell? Most people can't tell when an elf is lying. You usually don't miss, but yeah. He's, uh, he seems genuine enough. Let's just say it doesn't seem to be a sales pitch. Well, uh, Calder is going to, uh, going to play it as if he's being straight. It also occurs to Calder in this moment in the way that a shiny object will catch the attention of a crow, the, uh, the idea of a new pharmac device suddenly sparks in Calder's mind and he considers how one might alter a magic mirror to hide deceit and how terribly useful that would be. And then he remembers that he's in the middle of a conversation. Well, that seems um, quite lovely of you. Um, perhaps you could have it delivered to the warehouse. I think rather, sir, you might want to take possession of it at home. In the spirit of our cordial relationship, I would urge you to trust me. 
Calder intentionally waits a, a moment or two to answer and then smiles slightly. And so be it. I look forward to the delivery at my home. Very good. Thank you, Master Calder. Good day. Good day. And with that, the mirror goes black and then silver. It's with somewhat less grace than usual that Delilah comes tumbling out of a hansom in front of Rapscallion's Manor on a the middle of a winter morning. The house is its usual self in the cold. The garden's gone all gray and the trees near the street have lost all their leaves. She has at least regained enough of herself to not crunch her way through them as she heads up to the door. Um, his cloak for once is not just covering his left side. He has it wrapped around all of him because he, he's used to hot temperatures and it's damn cold right now. Um, he is following Delilah, which is a little rare for him because normally he stays in front just in case. Um, there's a certain amount of concern on his face, but uh, they've had this conversation already, and so he's not going to bring it up again. Delilah knocks on the door and then steps in front of the side people so that she's easily visible. Hello? Bet it's me. Door's open. She uh, disarms whatever traps are still on the door when it's left open and heads in. Shakir follows, giving one last glance about the street before stepping in and closing the door. Erebus stands down the hallway with bolters at his side and says, So, morning visit? Delilah looks a little more harried than usual. Now, that's a fairly high bar. She doesn't usually look like anything phases her. And today she looks like she may have been crying. But she says, yeah, we got confer. I got confirmation that Ursus and Swans. Come in in the dining room. I think Calder's there. Indeed, Calder is uh, standing uh, by the stove, impatiently waiting for the kettle to boil. As you guys walk in, he's unmistakably a dapper half-elf, but he is sporting um, uh, a very nice and, and quite different sort of coat. Uh, not quite as dressy as it was before, but still finely cut uh, of, uh, of a sturdy nature. Uh, and... Uh, well, not very bright, uh, not the sort of uh, more flashy uh, accoutrement or uh, fashion that we've seen before. But sometimes, if you look at just the right kind of light, it almost seems to shine violet back at you. Shakir will look around and kind of blink uh, and look back. Calder is the dragon, yes? Where is he? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm right here, huh? I'm just waiting for the kettle to boil. Arabet, uh, I suppose we need more cups now, yes? Yes, yes, they're on the sidebar. I'll get them. Oh, uh, f- forgive me. I was not... I, I've only met you the once. Yeah, don't don't let it phase you. He's usually 15 feet long and a dragon. You're quite right. I'll, uh, I'll look over and, uh, over my shoulder and say, Ah, yes, well, I, I, uh, most understandable. 
not quite enough room here to uh, to show you, but uh, I find this somewhat more comfortable in moving around the city. I'd imagine the people screaming and fleeing would kind of block traffic a bit. Yes, as, as delightful as that would be. Uh, Shakir will walk over and kind of sniff a little bit, see if he can recognize the uh, the, the brew that he is working on right now. I'm blissfully unaware of what you're doing. So there's only two cups right now, but the kettle hasn't quite boiled yet. Uh, as Arabat returns, Calder puts a very precisely measured teaspoon into each cup. It's a nice, high-quality leaf of large pieces and obviously aged and cured very well. And Shakir is an observant sort of fellow. You notice a bag off to the side of the Northern Tea House that you also have been to more than once. So Calder, Delilah said that uh, she's got confirmation about the missing bear. And at that exact moment, the kettle will start whistling fiercely. <laughs> Calder will uh, pick it up off the hob and uh, pour some, some tea and put it back down, heat off and turn around and say, Well, um, I, I hope it's good news. Ultimately, it is. She got me a message herself. But I don't know what they're doing to her. We need to step up our timeline. Oh, I see. Hmm. Well, of course we shall do what we can, but much like that kettle, some things just take the time they need to take. Shakir chuckles a little bit uh, while he is getting down two cups and pouring a cup of tea for himself and also for Delilah. Calder turns back, reaches over on the counter, uh, past Shakir picks up a small tray with um, sugar, cream, and uh, lemon, puts it on the table, and well, um, I suppose we should sit down and discuss this, yes? What is this message that uh, you received from your friend? It was short. It's just that they're holding her there, and she's not sure how much longer she can hold out. Dire news indeed. Do you, um, do you have the note? I wonder if, uh, what you have been able to divine, and if there's anything else we can divine from the note itself to aid us in her rescue. She takes a deep breath and says, it wasn't a note. Uh, apologies. Um, how did you receive the message? Delilah chews on her lip for a minute and takes her own long sip of tea. She takes hers black and finally says, think of it as an answered prayer. You see a... Uh... A brief twitch would be too fast. You see a expression pass over Calder's face, which um, you have a sense he pushes aside. Uh, I, I see. Well then, I, I guess there's little for us to divine from that. Um, tell me, what do you um, what do you propose we do to aid your friend? That's the part I'm still working on now. We do have a frequent customer, and I'm sure you've traded with them as well, Calder. Well, I trade with many people. Um, who is this customer? I am. Uh, I have purchased things from Swans on more than one occasion. Oh. Calder looks over and makes eye contact with Arabette and turns back. 
I see. Oh, I, I believe that'll do quite nicely. It is not something I can do frequently anymore. Uh, you are a tradesman, you said? Um, I am a purveyor of the finest curiosities and small wonders. Um, however, I do dabble in the production of such as well, yes? I ask because you may know my family. Um, the the Ascaris. Calder freezes for a moment. Um, you catch him um, avant sip, teacup to his lips, and then he very slowly puts the cup back down and he looks at Shakir and he said, I do beg your pardon, but did you say Ascari? Yes. Uh, my family is rather entrenched in the business world here. Uh, I have chosen not to follow that path. I am recently well disowned is perhaps the uh, the correct term uh, if not officially soon enough well my good man you mistake my reaction for confusion I am in no way confused as to who the Ascari are I am somewhat surprised to be having tea with one, disowned or otherwise. I think perhaps I need something a little stronger. Anyone else? Switch, please. Same. Calder gets up and uh, heads off uh, to the sitting room. Uh, he comes back with not one, but two full bottles of scotch uh, and then uh, busies himself getting some tumblers ready for the table. After uh, serving everyone, he leaves the bottles at the center of the table, takes a, a good deep draw from that tumbler, draining it, fills it back up and uh, looks back at Shakir and says, Well, Mr. Ascari, you, you were saying? As you expected, Delilah, Shakir and Calder disappear into the basement workshop. Arabet turns his attention to the paperwork, which is covering the big dining room table here at Rapscallion's Manor, and tunes everything else out. There's one board beside the door that sighs loudly enough to get Arabet's attention. Oh, hi. Thought that was you. Who else would it be? You know, somebody wanting to kill me. Brave man, assuming I don't. Delilah grins. Well, I've been looking around. I think I may be, uh, may be in your debt, so you can't kill me. Well, I suppose that's true. Do you want to take a tour of your acre, see what you've been doing in your absence? Yeah, that would be good. You dress warm enough for the weather? More than. Arabit flips on his coat off the peg and steps out onto the porch. So you put your pistol in your pocket, button up your coat, belt on your steel, and as you're putting on your gloves to stride across the plaza, you disturb a gang of sparrow mice that are fighting over the remnants of Gygax in the gutter. 
Well, where would you like to go first? I figure we can start with breakfast and make our way to wherever you're going. Well, I'm heading to Copper Penny Row eventually, but, you know, uh, whatever we're doing first is good. Well, down here's a little far to go to Bagelman's on the way to Copper Penny, but you do have a new donut card. Donuts. I like donuts. So as you turn the corner, you see that there is a lineup to this halfling gnomish fellow. Anyway, he's got a cart with a little boiling pot of grease into which he throws little rings and balls of dough, which he then powders and sugar and cinnamon and all these other sort of things. And so the camera cuts to you and Delilah standing aside, each with a bag of these fried confections, munching happily and watching the crowd go by. Wow, this is a novel. She smiles. You know, he found his way here and could use a little help getting started up. So I thought you could do that. And now look what you've got. Mm, donuts, yeah. Not only are these donuts pretty good, Arabet, you know, people seem pretty happy around here. You've got four blocks, and there's lots of people bustling around the streets. The place, despite a bit of damage, well, let's... Describe it like this. When you moved into the neighborhood, the buildings seemed that they were leaning on each other. And now that there's people there to prop them up, things look a little bit straighter. Now, you've been going through the figures for this. and It turns out that your acre, which consists currently of about four blocks, is worth about ten grand a month in rents and other incomes every month. Now... You're not looking at the Meadows style of living here, but it sure as hell is an Ashcroft. Okay, so money's coming in. Place looks great. What's the secret? Well, you are, actually. You've been investing in the place and making it safe despite everything that's going on here. And if for some reason it's not safe, you've been taking care of people. Well, Delilah... You can see that three or four of the local donut connoisseurs have detached themselves from their snack to focus their attention on a tall, thin youth whom you know as one of Despard's men. You've seen this kid around the guild house a dozen times. Thusly made as the billies fold the tops of the paper bags of their confectionaries and set them on the boardwalk to saunter towards him fiddling in their pockets and picking up stones off the road, he turns and begins to make a hasty retreat. He doesn't quite get far enough by the time the first dinger takes him high behind the ear. He stumbles, then, when the second one hits him in the pit of the knee, and tumbles ass over tea kettle in the middle of the street. As he sits up, a third one hits him in the side of the head. He goes over like a poleaxe steer. It's then that the lead halfling puts his hand up. Says, all right, lads, I think he's had enough. Now fuck off back to the west side and tell your friends to stay there too, huh? This is Lost Acre, thank you very much. No fucking donuts for you. And the crowd erupts in laughter at that. Cabbages, half-bitten donuts, all of these things then arise from the crowd who chase Despard's man away. 
she kind of smiles after that. Says, look, the locals are even starting to pick up who belongs to Despard around here. As they notice Delilah, they all dip their foreheads, tug their long forelocks, and say, Mom, before picking up their confectionaries and going back about their body jokes. Good work, boys. Thank you for helping keep us safe. Oh, sure, it's no problem, Mom. Mr. Herbert, it's good to see you, sir. Donna? Nah, thanks. I got some of my own. All right, boys, on our way back to work, eh? And with a nod, off to work they go. Okay, so doing good has paid off with a whole bunch of uh, feelies around the neighborhood, eh? Uh, what's the long-term plan? I mean, the long-term plan is build a home, isn't it? Isn't that what you'd want to do anywhere? Why don't you sit back and have a listen to your hood for a second? Do that with advantage. Tell me what you roll. Oh, I hit it on the second one. I rolled tw- 17 the first time and 18 the second time, so a total 22. You were born and raised Bailey Meenan. You were, you know this city. You know the way it feels. You know its rhythms. You have to. To cover the noise when you move, you have to move when there's noise. In order to not be seen, you have to be where no one is looking. You have to know how the city moves and feel it. Now, in Lost Acre, it used to be just kind of this dull, sonorous, mumbling note. It was really down sounding, you know, when you got it. But then you fixed up the rat trap. And the place raised its tone slightly. You hadn't noticed it till just now, but that day you ran around the rooftops of magma, it, it, it felt different, more like yours. But it wasn't till you got to the Iron Fire Bramble and you heard its steady pulse that with everything moving in the exact time. Like this big, clanking, breathing, growing, farting machine, if you can grasp that. And now here's Lost Acre, and it's got its own groove. Listen, can you hear that? Can you feel it? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And it sounds a little bit like you. So when you look over at Delilah for just a minute, you see her. And she's made of light. harmony. In every color. And it thrums along and it moves with its rhythm and it it pulses. And it's kind of a harmony. And everything is perfect. There's halfling ladies moving up the stairs at exactly the right rhythm. The donuts are getting sold according to the pulse of the song. And as you look at Delilah, you see that she is in tune with all of this. You blink your eyes twice, and she's back in the seven colors that we normally see. And the rhythm fades off into the background. Want to take the roof? Sure. So Arabet leads uh, into the neighborhood. It goes into a back alley and up a fire escape and twirls out onto the roofs. This is how I know I'm home. She takes a second to appreciate the predator in its natural habitat and then follows along. So did anybody ever find my uh, lockbox in the uh, greenhouse? You mean you didn't check under your bed? 
It's not underneath my bed. Good try, though. No, I mean your current bed. I thought you might want it before the fungus took over. Well, you know what's inside it, eh? I didn't go snooping for once in my life. I really don't believe that. I was kind of busy here, but... He's loaded up with Stitch's cure-all. That stuff will sell like wildfire. I was just saying, you need some gold, eh? I, I, like, I have a bunch of very expensive things in that box. Not quite gold, but close. Liquid gold. You know, uh, in that old abandoned carriage house, while you were gone, uh, a distiller and an alchemist moved in. Lovely girls from uptown. Y- you may try them. They may be able to to rebuild it in reverse. Hey, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about that. I missed it. You know, there's a problem. I, I, I don't know who to talk to, and you know, I think you're the best person for this This confession. I'm glad to listen. I don't know where Timothy is. I'm sorry. I hadn't heard, but I ain't been looking for him either. He wandered off in the dream, and I always thought he was going to just show up. You know, just be there. Like, timely, like, you know, he always was. Well, he's a young man, but I'm sure he's off getting into trouble somewhere. And he'll show back up when you least expect it. But I'll keep an ear out, too. Oh, that's what I mean. He isn't here. Like, he's been here. He's been in and out of here, but he's not here. Now, how would a good broad-faced Bailey Mina boy go leaving so entirely? That's the thing. There was more to him than just Bailey Mina. He had a gift, you know. One that would have been overshadowed by his inability to watch us back if he wasn't careful. That's the thing. He was always moving forward. Well, that's probably where he still is. I know someone can probably find him for you if you want. Even if it's just to look in and reassure yourself. You know, I've always been brave, but I'm afraid to look. I'd say I'd take you to mirror myself, but... I think I'm still persona non grata out there after I got her killed that one time. Yeah. I I can bet you that uh, sours her relationship a little. Well, she understands, and I think she's still fine with me. It's just, you know, you gotta keep up appearances. Letting people kill you is bad for business. <laughs> Especially when your job is supposedly knowing that it's coming. And that, my friends, is when you come to the fire escape, which leads you down into the alleyway, which disgorges you onto Copper Penny Road. Now, here up by the foothills, things aren't so packed in. It's more mom and pop businesses, you know, like the storefront with the apartment over top of it type of deal, except these things are stacked four and five high. And there's pilings to build towers off of and shorings so they don't fall over. An overarching buster architecture. Things built over top of everything. But here, where the land rises up, it's not as dense if you get that. You do get some more of the sky, although it is pigeon gray. And One, natural light fills this courtyard of a three-story building, of which two stories are apartments. And the bottom story 
is an open livery stable which appears to have been converted into a mechanical shop. Everything is new. Out front, sitting there leaning on its kickstand, completely unguarded, unsupervised, untended, seemingly unnoticed, is a brand new steam velocipede by Schmidt and Weston. Now that's a handsome machine. Above the open bay door of this garage is FOMO neon thing that flashes Sam Southwind Garage. So I have a question for you. Who the hell is Sam Southwind? Like, who shows up with a big bike and worth that much? I mean, I almost want to take it. I think he used to go by Scar. Sam Southwind is Scar? I knew that kid. Now, I want to know how Scar got the financing for a place like this. Well, why don't we poke our noses in and see who's there? It's not too often that somebody can tell a story better than the person who lived it, at least if you're looking for the factual version. Okay, so when you walk into the place, there is this dishy, dishy woman sitting behind a desk, reading the magazine through classes that she doesn't need with her hair perfectly coiffed and dressed to kill. Mumble, Sam left you to watch the desk this morning, and there hasn't been much happening. You've done a bit of tidying up when, all of a sudden, who should walk in but Arabet and Delilah Del Rey. Well, this is the last person I expected to come through these doors. If it isn't the high and mighty Arabet, what brings you down to our neck of the woods? Is that you, Mumbles? Of course it is. <laughs> well, girl, what's with the attitude? High and mighty with this, that, whatever. I'm not high, I'm not mighty. I'm here, though. Uh, it's just been so long since you bothered to check in or see any of us down here in Copper Penny Row. Hand it to Sam, bet this place is neat as a pin. Now, it is a mechanic shop, so it smells like grease, but the paperwork, although it is largely smudged with big greasy thumbprints, seems to be all away. The place seems to be neat and dusted. Mubbles, this took you about an hour this morning with Mage Hand and various cantrips this morning. The boys leave this place in a mess all the time, and for some reason, you're the only one who cleans up. Anyway, just a point of note. Hey, Mumbles. I got a question for you. Well, I got many. Well, depending on what information you want, I might be able to assist you. Wow, you didn't even give me a price on that. You guys oh. must really well. Oh, I'm going to wait till I hear the question to start negotiating. I see. So, uh, how well are you guys doing? I'll give you that one for free. As you can tell, we're doing quite well. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. You haven't seen Tim, have you? Can't say I have. Not at all? No no messages, nothing? Nope. What really brings you down here? And by the look of her face, she clearly has no idea where he is. Delilah... This is a Susie number three, but it's a good one. You're not sure if she knows or not. Her features are perfectly poised, though. 
Delilah just smiles for now and listens. Mumbles. When I brought you down to Copper Penny Row. Well, you know, you remember that day. Mullen turned you out like she turned me out. Called me to clean up the mess, of course. Mumbles' eyes kind of narrow. Yeah. I remember. But you see, the big thing was I hooked you up with these kids because, well, I guess you guys aren't kids anymore, but anyway, I hooked you up with this gang because you had potential. I could have run you down to the docks and drowned you, but I didn't. And that wasn't necessarily because I had any ill will towards you or goodwill towards you. It was because I thought you could be good for this group. And obviously you have been because they're doing very well. So you owe me a little bit of truth here. Not a lot, just a little. Is that the story you tell yourself? Not that... Well, since you're trying to spit me a straight lie here and I know the truth, I don't really think I need to spin myself a yarn. But as I remember it, um, I was rudely removed due to jealousy and the threat I posed and you decided to drag me down here in the middle of the slums in the hopes that, you know, maybe I'd drag myself out of it or that I could be of use to you later. Exactly. And here you are being of use to me later. Hmm. But you know, I don't know if that really counts as a favor when the other option was I could have made it by myself. I mean, I certainly have the talents. So, the real question is, what are you going to offer me? I love it. I love it when I hear somebody standing up for themselves. You know what? I have a deal for you, but you got to trust me. Do you trust me, Mumbles? Have I ever actually led you wrong? I don't think anyone could ever trust you enough, Arabet. You have too many secrets. Nice. Yes, but you know many of them. I do. That doesn't make me trust you anymore. Oh, but the fact that I let you live means that I trust you. <sighs> I don't know if I find that true. But how about for old time's sake, Etienne? We get down to brass tacks. Right. How did this happen, Clarice? The shop, you mean? I mean, Sam Southwind being Sam Southwind instead of some little sorcerer running around a cold scar. Oh, well, we just happened to pull a buster job and, you know, word gets around. Delilah manages to hide her grin in her coat collar to be polite. Pulled a buster job? Okay, now you spill. Delilah, you don't have time to stop him before he walks into it. The Susie number three turns into this, and then out of nowhere, shit, she got him. With a cat that has the canary grin. Oh, oh, Etienne, that, that is going to cost you. What do you have to offer me? And I can tell you all about it. I was there after all. Mm. 
Runelanders is recorded live and curated, produced, and edited by me with indispensable help from Cassie Goodwin-Harrison, Matthew Harrison, Chris Stockavaz, Greg Sednick, and Carrie Copley. All the usual people played all the usual parts, and if you want to know more about them, you can find out all about them, all about the little Easter eggs that I scattered through these episodes, and so much more at runelanders.com. Watch for our vastly improved website coming up soon. That'll about do it for this episode. Next time on Runelanders, we're gonna have some wicked awesome fun. You have to check it out. We'll see you then. I'm DM Matt Adam. I'm DM Good Guy. Reminding you to roll high and don't die. Until next. Take good care. Looking for the perfect gift, but it eludes you? Search no more, friend. All you seek will be found at Calder's Curios. I am Master Lock Calder, purveyor of the finest curiosities and small wonders, antiquarian by royal appointment. From anniversaries to Erastide to Rune's Day gifts, everything you seek can be found at Calder's Curios. Visit us today in Queensbridge. No gift too small, no purchase too large. Nigel herself arrives then, and she has the youngest of the Nigels, the ones who were hatched in the spring, you remember. They were the cutest little things just there in the creche. As far as you know, there weren't any new Nigels hatched over the summer, and it's never a good idea to hatch a Nigel in the fall. They won't survive the winter. But here you have the three youngest, and and I guess they're upright already, and uh, Nigel has them following her as she speaks to them in that adoring little cluck-cluck way that she does to all the babies for about the first year. And as they walk into the room, you see that they all stop at the threshold. She just strolls in. Good morning, Master. I brought the wee ones to come see you. Excellent. And how are they doing? They were excited to hear that you'd returned after so long, sir. The young Nigels. Nigel, Nigel, and Nigel, presumably, although um, you're not sure if Nigel... if it was Nigel who got eaten or Nigel. Either way, you're pretty... Well, everybody knows it was Nigel who ate him. You're just not sure, like, which one really remains. Best to take a wait-and-see approach on this. But they come in with their necks appropriately cricked and their tails held low and their hands bunched up in front of their chest as is appropriate in front of the great dragon. 
And by the time they get within snatching distance, they are scraping on the floor, pushing themselves along with their feet. It is the cutest damn thing. I uh, give them a moment to arrive and another moment to feel the presence. And then I look at the first one and I say, Well, youngling, tell me, what do they call you? So they call me Nigel. Nobody calls you Nigel, Nigel. I, uh, I turn to the person, to the youngling who spoke out of turn, and I say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't believe I was addressing you. The one who spoke out of turn realizes their sin, their eyes go as wide as the end of your thumb, and quivering, they sit there, chin down on the floor. Well, since you've spoken, why don't you tell me, youngling, what do they call you? Well, uh, my name is only Nigel, but they don't call him Nigel, I'll tell you that. Really? What do they call him? Well, it's, it's, he looks over at my Nigel, who gives him a cross look, and then at you, hopelessly. Say they call him Nigel. Ah. And you? Youngling, what do what? they call you? My name's Nigel. Well, let me tell all of you younglings, it is a pleasure to meet you. Come now, stand up. They all put their feet beneath them and rise up as one. Nigel, however, with the big mouth, well, keeps her chin a little lower than everybody else, just in case, never does to overstep. Now, let me tell you something. It is very important that you listen. And I look over at my Nigel. To Nigel and do what she says. Ma Nigel looks up from her knitting and nods appreciatively. When you hear Ma Nigel speak, I want you to hear my voice. Do you understand? There is a unified, yes sir, from the babies. Excellent. Now, Nigel, I look at the second one. What has... Astonished to be spoken to. What has Ma Nigel said to you about being polite? She's a stickler for manners, sir, but if I'm being... I've grown overbold speaking to the old master. I can't, there's no excuse for it. Calder leans in quite close to the little one's ear and says, Well then, let's consider this a lesson. Shivering visibly, the young one 
Okay, the, the young one relaxes with grief. Or sorry, shivering visibly with terror, the young one is relaxed. The young one relaxes with gratitude. Now then, right hands out. One, two, three. Actually, it's one, the first one who said he was Nigel. And the last one who's just happy to be Nigel. And then Nigel Big Mouth. <laughs> Calder looks over at Mon Nigel and gives her a sly wink. And then he taps the back of the top of each of their hands. With this, I cast Prestidigitation. And... In purple, on their hand, is my house sigil. And I say, today, I mark you with the house of Mahasaragauda Sarandaku. And while this will fade shortly, your memory of this never shall, will it? No, 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 master. No, master. No, no, certainly not. Very well. And I look over at Ma Nigel. Anything else for today? Nothing from them, sir. There is the inventory. Nigel returns and shoes the younger Nigels out. They go scampering off down the hall, all aglee, showing each other the backs of their hands. To anybody else, this would look like three identical kobold children. But... To the dragon, you can see the differences in the set of their scales and the subtle colorings of their hides. And, you know, they're all cute little Nigels, but you can tell they're Nigels for sure. There's just something about a Nigel you can tell. Calder stands up and drains the last of his piping hot tea, makes a mental note to himself to make sure he checks in on Big Mouth Nigel in the next couple of months and... Perhaps a year from now, she will either be a handful for Ma or an asset for me. Either way, it'll be time well spent to check in. Here at Burley and Took, we've had the good fortune to call Bailey Mean our own for the last 71 years. But that doesn't mean we've forgotten the times before. We understand that many people can't be with the ones they love this holiday season, and so do those people. We salute your intrepid spirits, your dedication for a better tomorrow for your descendants and for theirs. And as you raise a glass, why not make it brilliant too? We feature a full range of Riverlands beers, ciders and whiskey to your taste. Because it's not about the drinks, it's about the memories. And a brilliant too, memories are what we do. I'm Michael Burley, and he's Nestor Took. Peaceful dead winter and a blessed new year. From all of us at Burley and Took, to all of you, Bailey Mina.